0: Get that garbage out of here! Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder.
1: (laughs) Welcome everyone to episode 11 of the Walder Sportscast. This is Chris Walder here with you once again Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at WalderSports, as always. First off, I would just like to apologize for not getting an episode out last week. I fully intended to get something out, but I didn't want to rush anything and force content for the sake of content, so rather than churn something out that I wouldn't be proud of, I elected to give myself and my audio engineer Jason Lung a mini-break of sorts and focus all of my attention on this show and what lies ahead in the future. And, boy, do I have a special guest for everyone today. Not that every guest I interview isn't special in their own way, but this is a guest I wanted to talk one-on-one with basically ever since I started covering the Toronto Raptors as a blogger, and even going back further to when I first started watching the team. I am extremely fortunate to have Raptors analyst and broadcaster Jack Armstrong on the program, to say I'm excited to have the opportunity to chat with Jack would be an understatement um, and a great admirer of his body of work. And I told him this in an email I sent pitching him to come on my show. Uh, when I worked for the Toronto Raptors game operations department many, many years ago, I would be there early in the day getting stuff ready for that night's on promotions or whatever it was we were doing around the building. And I would pass Jack in the hallways on a fairly regular basis and This may not seem like a big deal to a ton of people, but Jack always greeted me and said hi whenever our paths crossed, and he had no idea what my name is, I'm sure of it, and I never formally introduced myself because I was a nervous kid back in the day, but him doing that really stuck with me, and I appreciated that about him, and still do to this day, so everything has come full circle with him joining me on the podcast, it's going to be a lot of fun. But before I bring Jack on, it's time for a cheap plug, as I encourage you to check out my last interview from two weeks ago with a good friend of mine, John Chick, who currently serves as an NBA news editor down at The Score. If if you listened to episode three of the Walder Sportscast with Will Sagir, you'll remember Will and I dubbing Chick the coolest guy we've ever met, and that still rings true. Chick Chick was great on the show, I finally learned his Husky's name, which is long overdue, Uh, Follow him on Instagram, at RoofThatPeach, for some incredibly funny videos of him with his dog. And I just really enjoyed catching up with him and talking some basketball, so please check out that interview if you haven't had the chance to do so. But with that being said, the great Jack Armstrong joins me after this quick break, so keep it locked. Now is jack armstrong a toronto raptors broadcasting legend and one of the most generous people you'll find in all of sports media jack thank you so much for coming on
0: chris my pleasure glad to be on with you and uh excited to chat a little basketball and whatever else you'd like to chat about and uh uh looking forward to it and, and uh, it's been a long time i haven't seen you in a while since back in the days of uh the formerly named air canada center now the <laughs> scotia bank arena and uh I'm glad you're doing well. Well,
1: thank you again so much for doing this. Again, we used to pass each other in the hallways so often at the arena when I was down there working for the Game Ops department. So it, it's like everything is coming full circle. So this is a, a tremendous pleasure for me to do this with you. And first of all, it's it's been a long four months, obviously, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and the subsequent shutdown. How would you describe this past stretch for yourself? And most importantly, how's your health and that of your family?
0: Uh, you know, number one, health wise, thank goodness, uh, doing fine and my family's good. And, uh, you know, I've tried to stay busy during this whole thing. Um, I'm a runner, actually, I already ran this morning and uh, I like to golf a little bit and play tennis and playing tennis tonight. Uh, So uh, from that standpoint, I I think to get through it, uh, you need uh, physical activity. Uh, to kind of burn off the stress a little bit and also get away and get out in the fresh air and uh, kind of get away from it all a little bit and, and unplug. Uh, And then uh, it's just been a a time, I think for all of us to reflect and uh, life has slowed down a little bit and it gives us a greater sense of, of truly what to value and, and what's important. And to me, uh, uh, you know, sometimes life takes a wrong turn in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at uh, the experience that each of us ha- has had, uh, the opportunity to maybe slow down and and count our blessings and uh, prioritize things, uh, you know, helps a great deal. So, uh, you know, it's been uh, just devastating to, to watch uh, uh, the people that have suffered from this and, and gone through it. And And the wonderful uh, people on the front lines doing all the work. Uh, They're so inspirational. And I think for each and every one of us who have been kind of on the sidelines, uh, you know, and yet we we all know somebody or somebody that knows somebody that has had to go through it. um, You know, our thoughts and prayers are with them.
1: Uh, not to be overshadowed of course is everything that's going on in America right now obviously and Canada as well with the black lives matter movement following the murder of George Floyd in Minnesota uh, Jack you have three black sons who you and your wife Dina adopted how have you processed everything that's going on in the country right now with the numerous protests occurring which are combating police brutality against the black community and I know I know you've mentioned in past interviews that you've done that you've had conversations with your children about dealing with law enforcement?
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you have to have that. I mean, I, you know, from my previous life as a coach, uh, you know, the majority of players I've had the good fortune to coach have been, been black. And, uh, you know, you spend time talking to them about their experiences. And, and in addition, uh, you know, to helping them through different things in their lives. And, uh, having grown up myself in Brooklyn, New York, uh, you know it, it's a obviously a melting pot. and uh, right. you know you, you're exposed to everything, which, in my opinion, I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. It was great uh, to to experience and get to know people of all races, creeds, colors, uh, you know religions, you name it. And yeah. I think it it adds it adds, uh, it adds um, just a, a real good flavor to your life. And, uh, you know, so the same from my sons, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I worry about it. I think about it all the time. I've had the DWB talk with them driving while black and talk to them about, uh, you know, respect and, and treating others w- with respect and, and law enforcement, uh, in all those types of things. And so it's, uh, uh, and, you know, they they have each uh, gone to, a, uh, gone to protests and, uh, you know, they, they have, uh, they all have differing views on it. And, and, uh, uh, you know, in terms of how, the way to look at it and the way to solve it, which I think is great. And, uh, you know, so to me, I, I uh, it's been a, it's been a difficult time and it's, it's such an unfortunate thing. And, And again, I I made this point earlier. I'll say it again. You know, sometimes life takes a wrong turn in the right direction. You know, through all this with the pandemic, uh, it got people's attention because people don't have a lot going on, and therefore, you know, when you look back to the issues with civil rights uh, in the '60s, and we've had them unfortunately in the United States forever. um, Mm -hmm. I I don't think there's ever been a platform or forum like right now, where uh, a greater percentage of the message can really uh, get into people and get people to reflect on it. Because, um, you know, this life has slowed down so much, and people have to really look in the mirror and and reflect and think about it. So in some ways, it's been, um, you know, uh, something that really has allowed uh, our society at large to uh, for young people to come together and express their opinions, and and not just uh, African American kids, but white kids, Asian kids, kids of all colors and religions and backgrounds, you name it, genders, and it's just—they're uh, the people that're going to turn this. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. their their uh, voice and their opinions and their their passion is going to uh, shift things, and in my opinion, that's a that's a really really good thing. And on and on the other side of it. Uh, Having grown up in Brooklyn, uh, I I have a lot of of friends uh, that are police officers or retired police officers, and uh, I have a great deal of respect for the job they do. And I have, you know, former players right now that are police officers. I have three of them uh, that that I coached in Niagara that are currently police, two of them in Toronto uh, right. in the Toronto area. So, you know, to me, so, the, you know, I have a great deal of respect for the job they do, and it's not an easy job. And, uh, but we can't have, uh, we can't have what happened in Minneapolis happen. That's uncalled for, and that's wrong. Uh, and that's disgraceful. And I think, uh, the overwhelming majority, overwhelming majority of police, uh, I'm sure feel the same exact way about that. It makes their job harder and uh, so we got to find a way to kind of bridge that gap um, and, and, and you know, with the pr- police brutality issue and, and also uh, on a larger scale, uh, race relations and, and respect for each other.
1: And this it's not an easy segue, but this kind of does segue us over to the NBA currently, because we're slowly approaching the start of what's the continuation of the 2019-20 regular season, which then leads us into the playoffs. And the league is doing everything within its power to keep everyone there at Disney World in this bubble so it can closely monitor everyone's health and keep track of any potential COVID-19 cases. And we've already seen a few. Jack, where's your faith currently in the NBA being able to... Properly maintain this bubble, and are you confident that a champion will ultimately be crowned in three months' time?
0: I have faith in the protocols. I have faith in what the NBA is trying to do. I, you know, I think they've tried to dot every i, cross every t. Um, you know, Adam Silva is an attorney by trade. Um, mm-hmm. He understands, you know, working from worst case scenario back to best, and best back to worst, and everywhere in between. He's a thorough guy. Uh, he's prepared. I think he has a partnership with Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul from the Players Association. He is uh, educated and rallied his own owners on this behalf as well. And uh, to me, I think uh, they're trying to do everything possible to make this work. I think it really comes down to the professionalism and maturity of every person in that bubble and buy-in. But I think if you have professionalism, maturity, and buy in, uh, I think it'll be successful. You know, you you hear uh, Kyle Lowry's thoughts the other day, uh, you know, based upon that. And uh, I I agree with him. I think it has a chance to succeed. It will succeed if you have professionalism, maturity, and buy in. It won't work if you don't have those things. Uh, Are there going to be cases of it? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look at the number of cases, compared to the larger, the bigger number in terms of, of the group of people that are being tested. Uh, I think it's a very small percentage and something that's very manageable. Um, uh, but the, the, the thing I worry about is if suddenly Giannis or, uh, LeBron or whatever tests positive, uh, you'll get people screaming and yelling and all this discussion, Right. uh, Whereas, you know, you'll get the twelfth man on a team and it's not even a, a discussion. Um, you know, the reality is uh you know, it's gonna happen and and uh you have to you have to balance out uh whoever it may be and continue to follow the science and continue to follow the protocol, regardless of who the name is that test positive. And yeah, it's going to be, I, you know, people are going to start taking out the asterisk uh, discussion. I think the winner of this thing, uh, you know, there's a lot of work involved there and I think it'll be a tremendous accomplishment for whoever gets it. Uh, so, you know, I've lived through two lockouts, 50 game, 60, 50 game in 98, 99 and 66 game. I think it was 11, 2011, 12, if I'm not mistaken. mhm we had a champion those years. You know, you go to San Antonio, they won in 99. I think it was Miami that won in 12, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. The ba- the banners up there, you know what? 99.9% of the people uh, years later don't even remember it was a lockout year. They just look up and say, hey, man, those guys are the champions. And you could have people scream and yell that, uh, you know, uh, whatever the case may be, uh that this isn't a rightful champion. And, you know, I, I think this is an incredibly challenging uh, thing. And, I, and, and on top of that, I think the teams that through the grind of the regular season have earned the right to host home court uh, aren't getting anything out of this. And uh, to me, uh, I think it's even harder to win it now. Uh, on the other hand, if you're an upstart, a lower seed, in my opinion, it's an easier path than you've ever had ever. So to me, you know, to me, uh, I, I, I think it, it, it's, it's harder to be a really good team, uh, like a Toronto, Milwaukee, uh, the the Clippers, the Lakers, the top four teams in the league who have rightfully to this point, we haven't played the eight games yet, but have Mm -hmm. rightfully, uh, are the top teams in the league. Uh, you know, what are we doing for them? You know, so, uh, There will be positive tests that's going to happen, but I I think the whole thing will be minimized uh, as long as people buy into it, and uh, I think the protocols are in place to handle it properly.
1: Speaking of champions, Jack, this has been more of a carefree season for Toronto Raptors fans in the sense that the team is coming off an NBA championship win, and there isn't that lingering will-he-stay-or-go storyline with Kawhi Leonard anymore, which is really nice. And then you have the Raptors obviously greatly exceeding the expectations of many who basically wrote them off after Kawhi departed, and to a lesser extent, Danny Green. So Jack, from, from all of the seasons you've covered, Where does this season in particular, which isn't even over, mind you, rank in terms of your overall enjoyment as both an analyst and just a fan of the game?
0: Oh, I would say this year might be the best one. (laughs) As crazy (laughs) as it sounds, you know, last year was a championship season, but I think there was a lot of tension and uptight people uh, where a lot of times when you won, it was relief rather than other jubilation and joy. You know, the only Mm -hmm. times... You know, you, you, when I look back, you know, the game seven win against Philly, uh, you know, probably uh, game five and six against Milwaukee and then uh, game six, obviously, in Golden State uh, to win the whole thing. But there were a lot of nights and there were, there were a lot of great moments, uh, but there was a lot of pressure and expectation and uh, people around the team were incredibly uptight. Uh, and I thought Nick nurse did a masterful job managing all that. Uh, and, and, uh, it was, it was a remarkable job that he did. Um, but I, you know, I'll never forget the last game the Raptors played. It was a, a phenomenal road win at Utah on a back-to-back. They played a Sunday night in Sacramento and had a tremendous hard-fought win in Sacramento. You can fly into Salt Lake City. The two toughest places to play in the NBA are Denver and Salt Lake City uh, on a back-to-back because you're at altitude. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it was the last game of a long West Coast road trip. Normally, you see teams that are going from east to west or west to east on that last game. They just want to get home. And uh, you don't necessarily get the best game all the time. And I thought uh, that showed once again uh, just the character and the toughness and the togetherness of this team. And I'll never forget getting on the plane. It was a four-day break. We weren't going to play again until that Saturday, March 14th, against Detroit. And I got on the plane. I'm like, man, this is a, this is a special group. I'm actually having more fun this year than I did a year ago. <laughs> so uh, now I don't know how it's going to finish up. But to this point in time, this team has been an absolute joy.
1: Where where do you stand on Pascal Siakam being thrust into this far larger role with this massive new contract of his? Because obviously there's a lot of hope that he can be a focal point of a team that competes for a championship. Although the Raptors, in my opinion, have functioned better as a sum of its parts with everyone stepping up, especially after the team got hit with a slew of injuries. Do we need to see a playoff run out of Pascal that doesn't have you know, Kawhi Leonard to fall back on to see the greater picture of what he can do as a number one option? Or is there enough there with his body of work to know that he's capable of being that guy in the years to come?
0: Oh, he's capable. I mean, we saw it last year uh, during the playoffs. Uh, he had, you know, many moments where you looked at and said, this young man just keeps getting better. He's got a motor. He's got a great attitude. He's coachable. He's hungry. Uh, he's got his skill level keeps getting better. Uh, when he really puts his mind to it defensively, uh, he can guard all positions and he can make big plays defensively. So, uh, he's a unique talent and he's a terrific young man. And, uh, you know, to me, I, I, I really like the pattern that he's on, uh, to thrust him into the, uh, mindset or discussion of saying, well, He's going to be the number one guy. He's going to be Kawhi. He's going to make every big shot. I think it's unfair a little bit at this stage of his career. Uh, you know, there's still some um, there's still some challenges and, and improvements and modifications uh, that he can make and will make. Uh, that's all part of the growing process. But uh, based upon what I've seen from the time he got to Toronto to the now, I really like the path that he's on, and I like the job that he's done. He earned that contract. He deserves it, and I'm happy for him. and uh, he's a huge part of what they do. Uh, is he the only part? No, and to your point, you know the sum is more important than the parts. I think the thing that makes this Raptor team this year's team really special is there's a uh, there's just a great chemistry and camaraderie and brotherhood and team team work. In play, that to me, I think uh, overwhelms everything else. So, but is Pascal a big part of that? Is his spirit and his drive and his mojo a big part of that? Yes, absolutely.
1: Pascal is essentially joining a long list of all star and superstar caliber players who have been perceived as the guy in Toronto. And perhaps one of the biggest names who many believe put the franchise on the map during his time here was Vince Carter, who we we know just called it a career after twenty two seasons. Uh, Jack, you saw the highest of highs and the lowest of lows with Vince. What kind of legacy do you feel Vince leaves specifically with the Raptors? Because it was only you know recently over the past four or five years that Toronto began to openly embrace him again.
0: Well, you know uh, you're right. I mean, there's a complicated history there, and I. I called Vince's first game in Boston against the Celtics, and uh, I guess it would, that was the lockout season, so it would have been February uh, 1999, and Paul Pierce was a rookie as well. And they'll both end up in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Vince Carter's played for eight teams. You're not going to remember him as a son or a maverick or a magic player or a, a hawk or a king or whatever it may be right uh when you close your eyes and do word association and you say vince carter hall of fame what's going to come up it's going to be vince carter toronto raptors so he put the raptors on the map i would argue that if uh the vancouver grizzlies had vince carter they'd still be in vancouver you know Mm -hmm. so uh, you know, I, I joined the Raptors in that year, 1998-99, year four of the Raptors' existence. It was, kind of, you know, a startup company, and um, people were already starting to wonder whether basketball could survive in Canada. And obviously, a few years later, we lost the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think Vince Carter solidified basketball not only in the city of Toronto and the province of Ontario. Uh, but the, for the country to have an NBA team, uh, he got people excited about it. He got young people playing. Uh, so, yeah, you know, and I'm, you know, we've all seen the movie The Carter Effect. And uh, you, you see that Canada's number two in the world in NBA players. And uh, a big part of that is a lot of these youngsters watched him uh, when they were kids. So, uh, yeah, there's no doubt uh, he made an incredible impact on it. Uh, is he the all-time greatest Raptor? Uh, he's a a wonderful talent. He's right at the top of the list. I would put Kyle Lowry as the greatest Raptor. You know, I would say Kawhi Leonard had the greatest single season. Uh, you know, and then you have the discussion with Chris Bosch and, uh, uh, you know, guys like that and, 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 uh, in Carter and, you know, McGrady was only here for a few years. He was a wonderful talent and, um, You know, and then, then, you know, you look at a DeMar DeRozan as well. So, um, but, uh, you know, to me, I I think Vince has a special legacy and I don't know how the Raptors will decide to honor him, uh, but I'm sure at some point down the line they will.
1: Jack, my friend, we're coming to a close here, but before I let you go, I just have some fun rapid-fire questions to toss your way if you're game. Sure. So a good friend of mine, Andrew Potter, penned an article about you in October of last year, and you mentioned that you try and up run upwards of six times a week, and that you don't think there was a day during Toronto's playoff run where you didn't run. So Jack, have you been able to maintain a steady routine of running over the past several months during this pandemic? And for someone like me who wants to incorporate more cardio into their lifestyle, but wants to go about it the right way, what advice do you have to set me off on the right path?
0: You know, uh, I know actually I never saw that article. I'd love to see it. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I have been running at least six days a week. And I would I would say uh, from the time I, from the actually from the start of the West Coast trip the Raptors went on, which would have been like February 29th or March 1st. Uh, I've probably missed in four months since then, four and a half months since then. I've probably taken off four or five days total. Oh wow. uh, Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been going out every day. I mean, you know, I mean, like today I had a light. I did three miles today because I'm playing tennis tonight. Uh, but on a day, you know, I mean, I'm trying to do four five, six, depending. You know, uh, depending on the day and depending on what I have going on at home and work-wise and all that. But uh, I enjoy it. I just put my music on and I and I just lose myself in the music and. Plan my day and think about life and think about things so I think it's great therapy Uh, you know I've done seven marathons in my life I haven't done one in quite a while but I've done New York four times Chicago twice and and Boston was the last one I did I think it was 2001 if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. Um, and I've done a bunch of half marathons you know, and 10k, 5k races, all that fun stuff. Then you drink beer after you're done. All, you know, very, very social. Uh, but you know, to me, I, 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 I think it's. Uh, the, I always say to people, it's, a, it's great. I mean, my wife, she walks five, six miles a day. Uh, uh, she gets out and goes. Uh, you know, and then when the gyms were open, she'd go to the gym religiously every day and and uh, uh, works out religiously. But um, you know walking's great and then uh, if you get to a point where you feel comfortable uh, run a mile, you know run a mile and a half just build it, you know it's interesting people don't realize uh, training for a marathon that's what it is it's mileage per week so you know you start off you might say okay I'm going to run uh, five days this week so four of the days I'm going to do three miles that's 12 miles. And then you're going to do uh, a longer run. Maybe you'll do five or six. Uh, okay. Whatever that mileage is for the week, 16, 17, 18 miles that week. And then the next week you build to maybe 19 or 20 miles. And you keep building your mileage up. And, and, you know, so it's the same thing. If you're a beginner runner, start off walking, try to run a quarter mile, a half mile, a full mile, uh, and just gradually build it up per week. Uh, and, and, you know, To me, I I just I've always done it and I find it to be a great way to explore cities. Uh, You know, I have running routes in all uh, 30 of the NBA cities, uh, my favorites. And then I have secondary ones that I like to run. And so uh, it's, it's great. I love it
1: easily one of the most memorable post-game sound bites in Toronto Raptors history was when you were interviewing Hito Turkoglu following a two-point win over the New York Knicks <laughs> at Madison Square Garden.
0: What was different for you tonight in terms of just setting the tone with your game in this game? ball. The ball in your hands. And you did a lot with it. I got nothing else to say. You had the ball in your hands and you made plays. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And he uttered the word ball. Uh, Jack, describe what it was like being on the floor in that moment with Hedo and what was running through your mind following that one-word answer?
0: Well, excuse my expression, but I literally got caught in a shitstorm. You know, it was... uh, uh, Hedo played really well that night. And obviously, uh, when we travel on the road on our TSN telecasts, uh, we don't have a sideline person travel with us. So basically I, I sprint from the table out onto the court and I do the you know, interview with the player or the coach, whatever it may be. So I'm the furthest thing from uh, Jim Gray or whatever, you know, uh, some side, Ahmad Rashad, whatever. I'm the furthest thing from that as a sideline reporter. Those people are a thousand times better than me. So I just ask uh, Hito a very innocent question and he, he, uh, he says ball. So now, you know, I'm going, oh my God, you know, in my mind, I'm going, there's crickets there, you know, it's like, what do I do here? Uh, And then I just asked the follow-up question. I said, okay, well, you had the ball in your hands and uh, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, that's great. You know, something like he was very, and literally uh, he was ticked off at his role uh, in the offense under Jay Triano. And Jay kind of was modifying some of the things that they were running at the time. Because quite frankly, in defense of Jay, uh, Hito Turkoglu uh, came in, got the big contract and wasn't in terrific shape mm-hmm. and uh, it was a disappointment, quite frankly. And, um, you know, so uh, when you're not doing your job and when you're not holding up your end of the bargain, it's very easy to lash out at the other person and say, well, they're messing with my game. how about looking in the mirror and saying you know what i'm not playing to my capability and when i will then i have the right to demand the ball so i literally got caught in the middle of a a, you know proverbial shitstorm between him and the coaches and and obviously you know and and you know everyone got a great laugh out of it uh you know i kind of was the one standing there looking like a complete fool uh, but you know you, you have to laugh at yourself and i did and uh you know I, I did the best i could you know and we're in the live television business you know when that when that light goes on uh nothing's rehearsed you just roll uh i'm a i'm an ad lib guy and a guy seat of the pants uh sometimes that can be my biggest uh, uh negative sometimes it can be a positive but nonetheless we're in the live event business and i'm comfortable being in it um, so uh, we had some fun with it. And, you know, within, you know, a day or two, uh, you know, Hito and, and Jay and, and Brian Colangelo all were like, hey, man, that was, you know, uh, you know, apologies. And I was like, it's no big deal. I mean, we had a lot of laughs out of it. So, uh, you know, when I've seen Hito since, I always say hello. And I've, I've had a great relationship with him since. And, um, and obviously uh, Jay and Brian as well. So uh, but those those things happen and uh i'm glad it happened to me uh because uh, i i had fun with it and uh i feel like uh i you know i had i'll never forget i had a radio show in toronto at that point on the fan 590. Mm -hmm. um so i came in the next day i know we were in new york i think we flew back and i was on the air the next day and uh you know we had an incredibly fun show uh and everyone calling in and busting my chops and uh you know it was uh, it was you know so to me I, it didn't bother me in the least. You, you know um you gotta laugh at yourself and and i think the one thing i pride myself on is i don't take myself too seriously and i don't walk around with a big ego and uh, i try to stay humble and i'm very lucky to be doing what i'm doing and uh so to me uh that was uh, one of those moments where you just say hey let's have some fun with it
1: Jack, can Toronto Raptors fans ever expect a follow-up to the classic 2010 Christmas album from Brooklyn to Toronto, featuring <laughs> you and Eric Smith? And do you still own a CD copy of your work?
0: I do. I own. I own the CD copy of the work. And when I turn it on, uh, all the dogs in the in the neighborhood start howling. <laughs> so I guess there's some there's something. Uh, Uh, Based upon the my vocal levels that uh, totally mess everybody up, but actually I've been approached uh, To do a Christmas album again Uh, So we'll see Uh, I've already had a few discussions with folks in Toronto about it and um, You know we thought we were gonna do it this upcoming Christmas Uh, It might be might not be till the following year. We'll see Uh, but I've had some people uh, want me to do one um, based upon, I guess, the last few years singing, uh, you know, during games and all that. And uh, if they ever listen to that album, I think they might change their mind. But uh, nonetheless, I, 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 I might do another one and uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, it was, I, I love Christmas. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year. and. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, the games leading up to uh, the holidays, I I always belt out a few tunes. And so uh, I hope that, hope I can be able to continue to do that.
1: Uh, Jack, just a final few questions for you here. Uh, Some of my favorite interactions during Raptors broadcasts are when you and Matt Devlin invite Drake onto the broadcast whenever he shows up to the games. What are some of your fondest memories of talking with Drake either on the air or even behind closed doors?
0: Well, you know, my biggest, a few things with Drake. People ask me all the time about it. You know, you meet a lot of people that are kind of like a mile wide, and an inch thick. They know, a, they know a little bit about a lot, but they don't know a whole lot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's not him. He's a smart guy. Uh, and he watches the games like he's a fan of it. Uh, he tunes in if he's traveling. Uh, he's dialed into the Raptors. He is more than just some uh, famous guy who comes to the games occasionally. Um, he's really into it like he can talk ball. So that that to me I, I find really refreshing. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet Spike Lee and I would say he's the same way. I've had the opportunity to meet Jack Nicholson. I would say he's the same way. you know that these guys, Yeah, they're famous for the, you know, what they do for a living, but they're real basketball fans, just like you and I, like they, they love talking ball. So, uh, I've had a lot of fun with Drake on the year. I, I, you know, I love people that have the twinkle in their eye and a sense of humor. And, uh, you know, my kids, uh, know his music a lot better than I know his music. Um, but that's okay. But I, and I've heard a lot of his songs now, now that I'm kind of exposed to it. And, you know, you work in Toronto and every event you're at, there's Drake music in the background. Uh, but, uh, you know, to me, I, I, I find him uh, to be refreshingly fun uh, and has, uh, you know, just has a nice way about him. He's not a big timer. He doesn't walk in and, you know, he knows your name. He gives you a firm handshake, looks you in the eye. Uh, you can poke fun with him. You can bust his chops. He'll bust it back. And I, I find the guy to be a really nice guy, and uh, carries himself the right way. And um, you know, and obviously he's a, a major public figure. And um, you know, there there are the challenges of being that, and a lot of people that are are, are not respectful of of someone's privacy. And I get all that, but I I find him to be, uh, uh, you know, and I've I've had the good fortune in this job and in my careers, you know, as a coach in this to meet a lot of amazing people, a lot of very successful people. Uh, But I I, I, I enjoy meeting him and and chatting with him because um, he, he doesn't, you know, I wouldn't say he doesn't, he doesn't take himself too seriously. I think he, he knows life is pretty good. He knows things are going well. And he hasn't forgotten where he comes from, and I like that about him.
1: And lastly, Jack, other than the shot, which is too easy, what do you think was the defining moment of Toronto's NBA championship run?
0: Wow! Oh, a few things. I would say, you know, to me, the greatest wins are on the road. Uh, I, I, you know, I, 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 you know, and that's why I mentioned the earlier about Orlando and everything's neutral court. And don't forget the fact that the Raptors have the exact same record at home as they did it on the road, which is really, I think, speaks well for them in terms of, you know, what's the old line? Excellence is a habit, not an act. Yes. They have good habits. They win wherever they go. Uh, you, could ha- you could have games on Mars. I feel pretty confident that they're <laughs> going to be pretty good, you know. Uh, so habits matter. Um, you know, so winning on when you have a true road playoff game, Those are incredibly hard to win. I think that shows your championship caliber. So to me, game four in Philly, uh, game five in Milwaukee, uh, to me were just incredible uh, tipping point games uh, that really got you over the hump. in Kawhi in both of those games was remarkable. Fred Van Vliet in Game 5 at Milwaukee, big time. Um, and then you win all three uh, of the road games uh, against the Warriors in the NBA Finals. And they won the other game as well during the regular season in Golden State. They crushed them. The Raptors didn't have Kawhi Leonard. People have a short memory. The Raptors didn't have Kawhi Leonard. And the Warriors had their entire team. And the Raptors destroyed them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, and people say, well, you know, if KD was here and this and that and the other thing, well, I'm like, well, I watched the game where they had their whole team and they got their tail kicked. <laughs> uh, you know, so to beat, you know, so I, I guess those would be the five playoff games that jump off the page. Game four, Philly. Game five at Milwaukee. And then, uh, you know, the three road games in the Bay Area. Uh, I think that showed You know true championship medal and toughness and togetherness and the fact that they're rightful champions and uh so i don't want to hear any of this nonsense uh that people have you know about whatever the war is this, that the other thing the raptors deserve to win that title uh, and they and they got it they took care of business so it was wonderful for them to do it who knows what will happen this year i think the raptors are a definite contender Uh, I like, you know, their chances of of going deep. Uh, There's so many variables in play, not only for them, but for the other 21 teams. And particularly, obviously, when you scale it down to the top eight teams that are going to have to go right. Uh, Health is the biggest thing. Uh, So but nonetheless, I feel very confident that what, what I see from the Raptors this season and in a neutral court environment now, Uh, I I feel like they have good habits on a daily basis that will will lead them to success. And I think the tough uh, remaining eight games in the regular season that they have, I think will prepare them well for the playoffs also.
1: It's it's just so nice to see a banner, a championship banner up at Scotiabank Arena, and hopefully one day we can all go back there and see it in person. Uh, Jack, I thank you so much for your time today. I, I grew up watching Toronto Raptors broadcast with my father, and he always made it. A point of emphasis during games to say how much he enjoyed your commentary and your many catchphrases, of course. So, to be able to do this with you is truly something I'll never forget. So, thank you so much for your time, Jack. It means a tremendous amount.
0: Chris, my pleasure, and it was an honor uh, to be on with you. And I look forward to seeing you soon and and be well and stay safe. And uh, uh, fingers crossed, uh, we have some basketball coming up here in a few weeks and uh, we're able to finish the season and then. At some point, start the following year. So uh, I'm looking forward to it and and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Have a great summer. You
1: too, Jack. Thanks
0: again. You got it.
1: And that was my interview with Jack Armstrong. He's not very active on social media, but you can give his clothing line, Hello Jack, a follow at Hello Jack with Hello having three O's. And you can also purchase some signature shirts of his by visiting Hello Jack.EntropyShirts.com. Uh, This was a definite bucket list interview for me that I'm so thrilled I had a chance to conduct. Uh, Jack's generosity knows no bounds, and you could probably tell at the start of the interview how happy I was to be able to talk with him in the first place. And I hope we can do it again somewhere down the road because there's so many more questions I'd love to ask him, but he's a busy man, so... I appreciate him giving some time out of his day in the first place, and I definitely can't wait to hear his commentary for the Raptors again in the near future, and I'm, I'm happy he remembered me in the first place from our time down at Scotiabank Arena, formerly the Air Canada Centre. That meant a lot to me to hear. I'd also like to shout out my audio engineer, Jason Lung, as always, for tidying up my audio, adding in the music, and making this podcast work please hit him up on Twitter at Jlung20 if you have any audio questions or concerns or would like him to work on your show or podcast. We'll hopefully have a website up for him sometime soon as well, so be on the lookout for that. This has been episode 11 of the Walder Sportscast. Leave a rating and review if you like what you hear. You can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Google, and wherever it is you download your shows. Please continue to practice social distancing, wash your hands, and wear a mask whenever possible because we're not out of the woods just yet. That is another one in the books, so I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for
0: listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports.